Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can hear me and see me on this show daily and also find my words over at ESPN and NBA Australia. And joining me from the Bucks Radio Network and uh, honestly, regular co-host of this show, you guys all know him, Justin Garcia, for today's episode that is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it, Justin, and I also, I'm not sure if I'm loving this sun in my eyes right now. If you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> you can see it's a little bit bright. If anyone's ever been to Melbourne, you'll know that the weather is notoriously, is notorious, I should say, for changing every three seconds. Uh, honestly, my apartment is up pretty high. Last night, it was chaos. Yeah, there was there was wind, there was thunderstorms. I felt like I was about to get blown off this building any second. So at the moment, it's sunshine. By the time we finish this podcast, it'll probably be pouring rain again. But anyway, hopefully you guys can at least see me here. So Brooke Lopez, Justin, I woke up this morning to a number of tweets with trade scenarios for Brooke Lopez, and I'm pissed off. We went through this last year. Everyone knows, everyone that is a long-time listener of this show knows that I went pretty hard early in the season last year for anyone suggesting that Brook Lopez should be traded. In the end, I think that take was justified. We saw what he did in the postseason. Yes, he's missed a couple of games here, but what are we doing? We're not doing this again, are we? Um, I thankfully was able to avoid this conversation, and then when you told me it was occurring, uh, my, that was my reaction of we're – we're doing this again. Like, did we learn nothing from last year? Number one. Secondly, um, I thought these four games the Bucks have played without him would be the sample size you need to see how valuable he is and how much importance he still brings to this team. And especially last night, because I think last night was the most that they missed Brooke Lopez and they've had other matchups with big teams. And I think all of us thought, well, it could be trouble with Indiana when you have you know the twin towers of Sabonis and Miles Turner and even San Antonio with Jakob Pertl, Frank's favorite guy, when you have those players and you're thinking, okay, it's asking a lot of Giannis and maybe we'll miss Brooke here. It was last night against the Timberwolves. And I think what jumps out the most is my teammate on the Bucks broadcast, Ben Bruss, was the first to point this out. Uh, as that game was progressing, George Hill had no rebounds through three quarters. Uh, Moderately surprising, but Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton, zero rebounds through three quarters. Stunning for those two guys, especially Pat, and that's because of the absence of Brooke Lopez. And we made everybody aware of this and had this conversation the first year he arrived of why does this seven-foot center only average four or five (laughs) rebounds a game? And then explaining you have to look at how he plays and what he sets up for his teammates, and maybe individual numbers are down, but the team numbers always go up with Brooke. 
And that was really what you saw in last night's game against the Timberwolves, that Pat Connaughton wasn't able to swoop in and get those offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds because Brooke Lopez wasn't out there boxing out and clearing the way. And we saw the Timberwolves just dominate on the glass on both ends. The numbers came down, but at one point they had an offensive rebounding rate near 40% for most of that game. So I thought last night really illustrated this guy is still incredibly important and they need him back as soon as possible. He's just such a huge body and that's why he commands so much attention, which allows Pat Connaughton to fly in and allows Chris Middleton to pick up those rebounds. Obviously Giannis as well, who uh, Giannis isn't always the guy that's naturally battling under the glass. He sort of flies in and then starts the transition game. So I would agree Brook Lopez is just critical to that. And like most things with Brooke Lopez, it's almost like you don't understand or appreciate how important it is until it's gone. And we've seen that here in these first few games. Just some of the numbers that stand out to me, and again, it's only through five games, but the Bucks for points in the paint scoring, 23rd right now at 42.8. We know Giannis is contributing the, the bulk of that, should we 40. say. 40.8 probably. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly right. Uh, opposition points in the paint. This is where it gets interesting. The opposition points in the paint, uh, they are 11th in the league at 45.2. Uh, they've always been a lot better than that, particularly with Brooke in the lineup. Rebounds, as you pointed to, they had some issues last night, but they're 23rd in the league at 44.2. They've almost always been the top rebounding team in the league or in the top three, certainly. And then uh, opposition rebounds, uh, opposition offensive, or sorry, this is the Bucks offensive rebounds is at nine, which is 24th. And we know last year that was an area that they took a huge leap and really uh, put the emphasis on that. So when we're talking about, you know, and, and again, it's just a, a few people on Twitter throwing around ideas, whatever. I think the ideas are absolutely ridiculous, but, you know, whatever. It's just a few ideas, but it's an interesting discussion point because to me, when I look at this team right now, I understand if you are someone who sits there and says, okay, maybe the Bucks need to start looking towards adding another big, you know, as, as injury insurance. Like, I'll buy that. I think that's fine. An old resorter who listens to the show and, and always, you know, is in the comments on YouTube or on Twitter, he's been a big advocate of saying all season, even in the preseason, saying, I think we the Bucks need to get another big man. I sort of pushed back on that. I said, eh, I'm not too worried about it. Let's see how all these bodies play out. Unfortunately, they haven't been out there. So I, I haven't really changed my opinion. I'm not like desperately trying to get a backup center now, but I can understand if that's where you come from. But honestly, when we saw what Brook Lopez did last year, when we've seen already the impact that he has when he's not there, Brook Lopez isn't someone that you're just going to replace and plug in a guy and he's going to come in and do that. Like that, That's not the way this works. Yes, the Bucs are going to have to rely on health. I mean, that's the story of every team trying to win the championship. So that you can't avoid that. I would suspect that the Bucs are just being super cautious with Brook Lopez right now. Who knows when he's going to come back? But at the end of the day, it's October. Who bloody cares? Like, if he's still missing games in March, yeah, okay, I'll be concerned about it. And they'll have a clearer picture when it comes to the trade deadline. And maybe then you look to add another guy. But it's October. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I... I um, I know we spent quite a bit of time talking about the the bigs and, you know, does this team have enough depth in the front court before the season started? And I'm with you of no, but show me the name out there. You know, who who are they going to pluck to to come in and be a suitable, okay, when Brooke is out, this guy will play. And I, I think what we're going to end up seeing is, you know, it, it's going to be a, a little bit of time with, with Brooke with this back issue because like you said it's October going on November and the fact that 
who is the replacement out there? We don't have a whole lot of depth outside of when we get healthy Bobby Portis. Maybe Shemi Ojale plays there. Um, maybe Sandro Mamukelishvili is a guy we use more than we intended to throughout the year. But uh, because of the depth and because of the fact that, you know, there's no clear, okay, let's just go trade for this guy or let's sign this guy off the street. They're going to be even more cautious with him. So I would imagine this is going to be a rarity for Brooke. I mean, there's only two years throughout his career where he missed extensive time. And those were within the first five years, four years that he played. Other than that, he's been an Ironman. His first year here, it wasn't until the 82nd game of the season that he missed a game. And it's been around the same uh, the last two years that you can depend on him. So to see what they're doing now, that tells me it is cautious. And, you know, Bud's been quick to point out there's no setbacks or anything. He's not doing worse. This is just part of the plan. If you read between the lines and what he said every time he's been asked about Brooke, it's just yeah, we're not in a hurry to put him out there because we know this is one out of 82 games. So I think it's going to take some time for him to get back out there because what's the hurry to put him out there? But if anything, you know, this doesn't shine a light on, boy, we need to replace Brooke. If anything, it shines a light on, you do need to start to think about life after Brooke and and what is going to be the progression plan there and where do you turn once he's gone? I mean, that, that conversation won't just uh, stand for Brook Lopez as well, even if not only the age portion of this, but even if you just look at the financial situation that the Bucks are going to find themselves in moving forward. So there's no doubt that's going to be a discussion. Uh, Brook Lopez, after the game yesterday, Giannis after the game, speaking about Brook, said, I don't know if you're at home. Whatever you're doing, I need you back. Uh, maybe Brook Lopez is at home playing some video games. I hope that he's not eating McDonald's while uh, playing those video games. But our listeners... You, you can be eating McDonald's. Fantastic sponsor of the show. This episode of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi, unlike me, in my home in Australia and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Maybe I'll like go to a McDonald's and start recording the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure. But anyway... Head to your local McDonald's and refuel and reconnect. Did someone say Locked On Bucks watch party? Maybe that's where the live Locked On Bucks will be when I get back to more of you. Who knows? Anyway, McDonald's, I'm loving it. You know, funny story. We did have to tie in with the sponsor McDonald's. Back in the day, we had a radio show host who would host our news program on Sunday mornings that would do the entire show from McDonald's. For the Wi-Fi, all three hours, just sitting in a McDonald's doing a radio show. Well, I speaking of my Wi-Fi, everyone knows that I've had some struggles. I missed the show last week; couldn't even get my internet going at all. My Apple TV has been a disaster. I bought this. Uh, I bought this Ethernet cable, though. You can see it. It's like, but to get it to my router, I had to buy like a six-meter cord. So anyway, I'm actually plugged into my laptop now. I haven't done this before because yesterday there were some Wi-Fi issues at the end of the show. Apologies for that. Shout out to those that let me know. But I'm plugged in. I'm hardwired in today. So hopefully uh, we get through uh, okay. So look, I'm working through it. I'm working through the problems. We'll get there. The one point I did want to make about Brooke Lopez as we wrap this up and then move into Giannis playing at center and also just some of the rule changes stuff that we want to get to today. Probably the one thing that stands out to me is that I like the fact that the Bucks went into the season with 14 men on the roster because it allows them that open roster spot. The thing that I still look at and I'm like, eh, I don't know if they needed to do that, was put Kalitsakis on the main roster. And listen, our Greek friends, 
loving their contributions to the show. I got some pretty good feedback on Kalitsakis the other day when I asked them, what do you actually know about this guy? But if you seriously look at it, and we know maybe why he's on the main roster, but if you look at a pick 60, you've got Mamu Kalashvili, who was pick 54. He's the two-way. They could have had Kalitsakis. You think he's going to play most of his time with the herd anyway. I don't know why he wasn't just a two-way. You could have had that open roster spot, and then maybe you would have gone and added an extra you know, veteran big man. Uh, Whoever, whoever's out of the market. It's not a huge deal, but I just think right now, even if it was a non-guaranteed deal, I think they probably just like having the the open roster spot, um, even for financial reasons as well. And and though I'm sure they're going to add someone closer uh, to the postseason, but it is, again, just noteworthy. We brought it up at the time. We were a little bit surprised that he got a main roster spot. And now when you look at all the injuries and he's still not really playable at the moment, it's like, eh, I don't know. I don't know whether he needs to be taking up that roster spot, but. Yeah, it's just a thought. Not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you kind of mentioned it or danced around it. We know why he's he's rostered, and <laughs> it, it is what it is. So maybe he can develop in the uh, G League. Maybe he can develop with the herd as training camp's underway now, and they start, what, I think a week from Monday. So uh, that's I, I think that's not to just dodge the point entirely, but – that to me is the most interesting thing about this year with all of those guys, with Yurgos Kalaitzakis, with Mamu, even Jordan Wara, I think to a much lesser extent now. But, you know, think about where you would be a season ago if you had a G League season and we saw Sam Merrill and Jordan Wara and Mamadi playing for the Wisconsin herd extensively and getting those reps. I mean, who knows? Maybe Sam Merrill, maybe that trade doesn't happen. Maybe Mamadi Diakite is still on the team. That this year is going to be an interesting one because it's really going to help the development of all of those guys. I'm not saying that Yurgos Kalaitzakis is going to all of a sudden be a rotational player next year or at the end of this season, but it's going to speed up their growth. And, you know, last year that trio just didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, no question. And I am looking forward to watching the herd because I think the team's going to be pretty entertaining and for those two guys in particular with Kalitzakis and Mamu Kalashvili, I mean, we've got real interest in seeing them play and seeing what they can do. So I'll certainly be watching the herd through the season and seeing what those guys can do down there. It is funny, though, because I, I saw this morning an ESPN clip and on the, the new NBA Today show. They were talking about the fact that Yana should be a permanent center. And honestly, I wonder sometimes whether whether they're even watching the games. Because I think the one thing that we've learned the last couple of weeks here is that you don't want Giannis playing as a permanent five. Can he do it? Absolutely. Can he be damaging with another four guys in the lineup that can switch, that can cause chaos defensively? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a it's a dynamite option for a, a, you know, a different rotation or a different lineup sometimes to close for sure to cause chaos. But I just don't think you want this guy carrying that sort of load on both ends of the floor throughout the whole regular season. We've brought it up before, but yeah, I mean, to me, the the big takeaway from early in the season is you need a big body, you need a big center. Yes, they need Brook Lopez back, but Giannis at the five permanently, not the answer for mine. No, and you know, I, I mentioned it a couple of times already that I I I was surprised to see him at the five as much as we did against Brooklyn for being one game one of the regular season. You've seen it in the four games since just because of necessity. Um, but Brooke Lopez I, I played that game, right? Didn't he? Am I going crazy? Brooke Lopez played opening night. Yeah. 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 So in the four games since um, it's been out of necessity, mm-hmm. but 
Um, no, I, I don't want to see it a lot in the regular season. I think it's fine yeah. to roll it out occasionally, but it should be saved for in the postseason and, you know, big moments. That's your closing lineup, depending on the matchup. And maybe even that's what most of the game is, depending on the matchup. But that's where it should be reserved for. I don't want him dealing with larger guys and putting that type of wear and tear on his body. Let him be the four that kind of hovers around. And that's the way you should utilize him in these 82 games. Yeah, no doubt. And and obviously he can be super effective there. I mean, whether or not you want to say that he played center, I mean, honestly, like it's not going to affect what he does on the offensive end. He's going to score, he's going to be dominant, but it's the defensive side of the ball that is a little bit of a concern. And we had a comment on YouTube that it was funny that Cat didn't completely dominate that game. We touched on the defensive side of the ball a little bit yesterday. And a lot of times it was Pat Connaughton on Cat, or you know, there was a stretch of three possessions in a row where it was George Hill and Cat actually, you could visibly see he just threw his hands in the air sort of just cracked the shits a little bit because they didn't get him the ball. But the Bucs were pretty smart how they threw those doubles. They didn't want Giannis being the primary defender. So you can tell that they don't even really want to do it for long stretches and have him battling these guys, whether it's Cat, whether it's Embiid when they play the Sixers, uh, all, all these players here. So, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think if you're watching the Bucs night tonight, you probably feel the same way. And uh, he's carrying such a load at the moment and playing such big minutes that Honestly, I just hope that he's eating his built bars, Giannis. And uh, like our listeners, by the way, I mentioned that our listeners, are, they're hitting me up in the DMs. They're trying the built bars. They're loving it. It is the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. Uh, you can choose from any of your favorite flavors, whether it's raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. They're all there. Uh, Brother Joshua, who I mentioned on the podcast yesterday, said that he got the mix box. He got a mix box, so he knows he's about to know what it's all about. He'll be able to pick out his favorite flavor here soon uh, you can order it today uh, this is built bar uh, also healthy and the official protein bar of the u.s track and field team so go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 locked 15 is the promo code and you'll get 15 percent off your order uh, that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com and then go across to betonline.ag the best uh, spot for basketball and football action this season the Packers just won again they are on fire. I was watching the Bulls and the Knicks, so I didn't catch any of that Packers game. But, geez, they just keep rolling on. So uh, shout out to those guys. But you can head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, postseason, which is nearly wrapped up, NHL, boxing, or UFC. You can find it all at Bet Online. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. So as we move into the last segment here, uh, this was a very nice idea for the show today that you brought to the table. Can you see how dark it is getting right now in, in my apartment as well? Honestly, Melbourne, just give me a break will you, for a second. This is absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, you brought the idea about the points of emphasis and the rule changes that we've seen. And I think if you're a Bucks fan, I don't think there's too many Bucks fans that are out there that are sad about the fact that James Harden is having a bit of an adjustment period, shall we say, so far to the free throw attempts. But I'm just going to bring it up here on the screen. Uh, this is the top five for free throw attempts per game. So Rudy Gobert leads the league at uh, 10 per game. Giannis is at 9.8. Embiid, 8.8. Uh, AD, 7.6. And then Bam is at 7. I believe 6, he's also around 7, is DeMar DeRozan. So you have to get down to that mark to get to the first guard or perimeter player, I would say, even though DeRozan, again, is a guy that likes to get to the basket a little bit there and play inside the perimeter. So 
what that's telling me is that the jump shooters aren't getting the free throws anymore. You're not seeing any Trey Young there. You're certainly not seeing Harden there, who has only had 15 free throw attempts through five games. He's he's had three a game. This was a guy that was always over 10. It is worth noting, though, with Giannis, and Frank tweeted this uh, yesterday. Um, his free throw attempts are at 9.8, as I just mentioned. He was at 9.5 last year. His career best was back in 2019-20 when he did win the MVP, and he was at 10 free throws a game. So he's essentially almost at a career-high mark, and I don't think that should be surprising the way that he plays. He's not the guy out there on the perimeter trying to trying to draw fouls on jump shooters, but it's interesting the way the free throws have been down right across the league, and I like it. I love it. Yeah. Um, now, if only we can do something about the Euro foul, then I think everything <laughs> will be solved. But no, it's it's pretty jarring when you look across the board. Um, so I think I've talked about it before. I, um, because of an analytics background that I have, I uh, I like a nerd have a mega spreadsheet of statistics for the Bucks and for the rest of the league. So when I'm inputting the data you come across the stat lines of free throw attempts and seeing the the drop for teams where we're seeing multiple occasions where a team isn't even attempting 10 free throws in a game so far this season. And I know it's been anywhere from three to five games for these teams, but it's still pretty jarring to see that. And we've all seen the highlights and the memes of James Harden plays where he's not getting whistled and it happened twice in their most recent game against the Miami Heat. Um, you know, it's the one thing that I think we all pointed to and said it, it just makes this game not enjoyable to watch when these types of plays are being rewarded. And I do think one of the big reasons why we said it is the Bucks don't have any of those grifters on their team that know how to draw those fouls. And if they did, maybe we would be singing a different tune. But it stood out to me because, one, we're, we're definitely seeing a drop. And I want to say in terms of the raw numbers in the per game, it's about a 20% decrease in free throw team free throw attempts per game, which is pretty massive. I know it's still early, but that's a massive drop. There were two instances, though, in the game against the Timberwolves that, you know, I was talking about it with Ben Brust as it happened of that. As soon as this play happened, you thought, mm, this is one of those plays where ordinarily – we'd see a guy try to grift into some of those free throws. Grayson Allen does a pump fake. I, I forget who the defender was, but he gets in the air and you saw him kind of hesitate and think, should I launch myself or should I just drive? He ultimately opted against trying to get the cheap foul. Chris Middleton had another one where we're seeing more of those plays that I think it's it's from early and, and we're going to talk about James Harden, but it's from seeing him not getting calls that if you're Grayson Allen, you've seen those highlights and you say, well, if James isn't getting this, I'm not getting it. And if they're going to start to call it early, that's something that's going to change the way that these guys are making their approach all throughout the season. That if the first five, six, 10 games, they're not getting these calls, they're going to stop making those attempts. So then that to me, that problem is solved. So again, it's just let's clean up the other two things maybe all of us have pointed to of let's get rid of this. I think the best part about it is how embarrassing some of these clips are for James Harden because these <laughs> plays, they used to just piss you off quite frankly when he would get the whistle i mean it made it a painful experience watching uh him anytime he played but now it's just hilarious because he just looks ridiculous and those clips that were coming out from the miami game it was that one move where there's 
there's no real contact until he actually tries to hook the arm and then fling yeah. his his head back and fling his fling his arms in the air and the the it appears to me that he's just having a hard time getting out of the habit of trying to do that. I'm sure he will. Like, I'm sure he's going to be fine. Like, I don't think that James Harden all of a sudden is washed, but I think that after doing that for so many years, it is going to be a process for him to stop it. And, uh, you know, at the moment, I'm happy to watch it because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's terrible. And, And the big thing is that these plays are so obvious that they're not all of a sudden just going to start calling it because it's so easy to see what he's doing. They're just not going to blow it anymore. Yeah, I mean the 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 skeptic in you says great start so far and this is kind of everything we asked for, but I'll believe this is fully fixed when I see this officiated the same way once we get to mid-April and May and it's the playoffs. Um but yeah, I mean, look, the fact that we've all seen the screenshots and the memes of plays throughout the years where the defender is guarding James Harden with their hands behind their back. I mean, that number 1 tells you this is an issue that the Bucks were the one that brought the most attention to it with the way that they had that kind of two pronged attack with Eric Bledsoe and even Brooke Lopez and how they defended him and Wesley Matthews. Um, but then every team started adopting that of, okay, when we defend James, put your hands behind your back. So he can't try to hook your arm and get that foul that we put up with three years of that before the league finally said, you know what, this isn't fun to watch. Maybe we should change this. Well, I, I think they've done a good job. We spoke the other day about the, the, whether you want to call it the intentional foul or clear path foul. Would love to see that change as well, as you sort of pointed to. So we'll we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens with that rule. But so far, so good with the points of emphasis uh, with jump shooters and perimeter players. Uh, it's it makes the game more enjoyable, less flopping around. I, I think the better. It's just better to watch. It's a better product. You know, the other thing too is, and again, all of this stuff that we're pointing out, I mean, I think the free throw part is, it's small sample, but it's here to stay. Um, but the other thing too is, I think it's made it almost more enjoyable so far that the offensive efficiency is down too. And it's not that it's going to the levels that we saw in the early 2000s and 90s, but it's not quite as high as it was last year that it, it seems like when we look back at last year, we talked about the bubble and how great the sight lines were. And that was kind of an anomaly last year to me, seems like that's going to be the anomaly and everything's going to start to come down from there because last year you were still playing in, in empty gyms for the most part or empty arenas. And we have seen uh, not drastic, but we've seen some slight dips in most of the efficiency numbers that uh, I think it, it has to do with getting those calls, obviously that you're not adding up the free throws. We're not getting quite as many easy looks there that this has been officiated differently. You still have a tremendous amount of talent in the most talented era we've ever had here that these guys are able to score. It almost makes it more enjoyable that defense is is kind of back, that it's a component in the game now that we're not just seeing a nightly 125 to 120 score. Well, we might not care that James Harden's had a bit of a down start to the season, but if you have James Harden in fantasy, you certainly do. And if you want to know what to do with James Harden, if you drafted him, listen to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast with Josh Lloyd. He'll have you sorted uh, for what you should do with James Harden. Are uh, James Harden owners panicking? I'm not 100% sure, but Josh will know. So listen to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. And as we wrap it up, we always say this, but we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every single day. We, we, uh, we love it. We love the company. We love the feedback that we get. You guys jump in the comments. Uh, the internet... It's a rough place out there, Justin. But I got to tell you, we we mostly positive, mostly positive. Just uh, some feedbacks, 
Bucks fans uh, throw their ideas out there in the comments, then we use it in the show. So we really appreciate that. Another day off, Justin, Saturday night. You'll be back at it, Bucks and Spurs. Another day off, yeah, Saturday night. And then we get our first back-to-back of the season. So fun time to be at the arena. Fun time to be at the arena. Also fun time to have a daily podcast with games back-to-back. <laughs> gives you gives you plenty to talk about. Uh, we've got some cool stuff next week uh, already lined up. So, uh, you know, we'll catch you guys uh, from early in the week. Probably no post-game show on the weekend, but we'll be able to wrap it up. Uh, for your Monday morning U.S. time anyway. So you'll get uh, the full report back uh, from that game. But for now, for Justin and myself, Ken Goodman, thanks for joining us for another week. We'll, We'll catch you on Monday.